If you have your Bibles or your scripture journals or your phones and your apps, if you would, open to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we're going to be talking about this idea of spiritual gifts today. And I'm going to do some pretty fast and furious teaching on it. There is no way that I'm going to be able to cover everything about spiritual gifts in one sermon. But I'm going to cover what I think 1 Corinthians chapter 12 at least the first 11 verses verses have for us with spiritual gifts. So I do hope you're using one of the journals or you've got something to write and take notes with because a lot of these sermons as we've been going through 1 Corinthians are really designed for you to grab some of this material, put it in a place where you can see it again, and then as you go through the week, and I definitely encourage you to be in your Bibles during the week, be studying, be praying, and that will grow your relationship and your understanding with God. So what I want to do is do a teaching today, and I want to start off by reminding you that everything in 12, 13, and 14, Paul is addressing spiritual gifts. Now, we've kind of gone in at times, and preachers like me, we've gone in, we sort of pull things right out of the middle of it, and we've lost the greater context of it. But just remember, it's all about spiritual gifts, and as we've talked before, Corinthians is an occasional letter, and a corrective letter. By occasional, don't mean every once in a while, it just means there's a specific occasion. There's a situation that he's addressing with this. That's going to be very clear in 12, 13, and 14. And if we lose sight of that, then you could miss what he's trying to teach us in these chapters. And specifically then, it's a corrective letter. So not only is there a situation, there's a problem situation. There's a problematic one going on. And so we have these chapters because Paul is addressing abuses of spiritual gifts. And so we're going to have to kind of work our way back into it and then we're going to move forward and try to understand what he has what he has for us. So I'm going to begin, actually I'm going to begin in verse 12, and then we're going to come back to the verses that I was referencing the other. But verse 12 begins a part that's far more famous. But I want to show you some of the background that's going on, because Paul's about to launch into an understanding of what it means to be the body of Christ, and that's his language for the church, the body of Christ. And he uses these words, and perhaps these words are very familiar to you. These are kind of more one of the more famous parts of Corinthians. So 12 in this. For just as the body, hold that image in your mind, is one and has many members and all the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Now, you see a particular word recur again and again. Yes, the word body occurs again and again, but so does the word one. Paul is emphasizing we are one. If you're a part of the body of Christ, you are a part of the same body. We are all one together. Why is he emphasizing this? Because as we've seen so often in the church in Corinth, as we looked at this letter, there are divisions Paul begins all the way back in the very beginning. There are divisions. And for Paul, a divided church hurts his heart and his spirit 
because Paul realizes that in a divided church, the gospel is not shining forth the way that it should. And so he is about to unpack, and you'll see if you keep reading after verse um, 12 or 12 and 13 and 14, he starts going in to this long description of what it means to be part of the body. And we're all different parts. And it's easy to kind of forget, but I want to remind you, he's talking about they're abusing their spiritual gifts and they're becoming divided. But this is a critical issue for Paul that they understand that they are one and connected together. And he uses the body metaphor. Now, we may think of a church as a family. You may think of it kind of like a hospital at times for, for those that are spiritually sick. A, a country club may be your view of the church. But Paul uses a very specific one, body, and he uses it to the church in Corinth for a very specific reason. Now, I love studying Scripture, and I cannot believe how often I go back to Scripture again and again and again. Stuff that I've seen my entire life and discover something new. Well, as I prepped for this sermon, I came across some stuff that was so new and I thought so cool. It may just be my Bible geek in me, but I love it and I want to share it with you because... This is why Paul chooses this particular metaphor to these particular people. And it has to do with archaeology. They have uncovered in Corinth, the ancient city of Corinth. Remember, this is a well-excavated city, and we know where it is. They have uncovered the temple of Asclepius. Okay, There will not be a test on that, and I practiced it lots and lots of times. Asclepius. Okay, Asclepius is the... God of healing. Now remember, hospitals and places of worship and places of government would have all been overlapped in the first century. And so it's, they've uncovered a temple. We've got a picture of it here. This is the temple of Asclepius. If you look on the right side here, this is the, the temple mount. They've discovered springs of fresh water and mineral water there. And, you know, we've got um, you can go buy very expensive bottles of mineral water that bubble up from uh, springs out in Mineral Wells, Texas. And you can buy this because it would have healing properties. Well, of course, it would have had the same one there. And so this is where people would go and they would pray for healing and they would be treated. So, again, it's a, it's a hospital and a place of worship all combined into one with whatever medical knowledge they had then. But here's what's fascinating. Okay, here's the part that just kind of opened my eyes. They, had, they discovered around this temple and other similar temples, this would have been a, a temple that would have been replicated in other places, they discovered these terracotta body parts. Hundreds of them. Let me show you a picture. This is the terracotta body parts that discovered arms, legs, ears, brains, um, sexual organs, uh, knees, ankles, you name it. And what they would do is when you went to the temple to worship and seek healing, you would go and you would purchase the part of your body that was sick. And then you would take that as an offering and as a token into your time of worship. And you're simply saying, saying, this is what hurts. This is what's not right. I'm asking for healing here. And you're offering that up. And so Paul uses that. He says, you know what it's like. You live in a culture that understands when the body doesn't work right. 
and all the different parts. And understand what he's doing, he says, when you're not one body, you're about as good as these body parts hanging on the wall right here. So for Paul, it is critical that this church learn and understand how the spiritual gifts function because right now they're divided over them. And they've got this thing going on where some of the spiritual gifts seem to be more important than the others. And they're all kind of vying for who's got the best gift. Now, I know that pride is nothing that we struggle with today. So if you'll bear with me, we'll get through some of this. And then we'll try to make some applications. Fair deal? Here's where we're going to start. I'm going to start picking up in verse 4, please. Okay, now with that as the background, with their understanding of this divided body, now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all and every one. Do you see once again the call for unity? He keeps saying there, there's lots of different ways that this is going to show up, but it's all the same God. There's lots of different activities, but it's all for the same purpose. This is all has different ways that it's going to have an impact, but it's all in the same direction. Keeps going. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. What I'd like to do is I'd like to show, because I know for many of you, many of us, we've heard the term spiritual gifts but we don't know what to do with it. And there may be a kind of a gap in your understanding. So we're all going to go back to square one on this one. And so I'm going to give you what I'm going to just call spiritual gifts 101. And here's just the basics. And then I'm going to turn right back around to what Paul is teaching us in 1 Corinthians and where I think there's some application for us today. And I think it's really, really powerful if we get our minds and our hearts around it. So first of all, Spiritual Gifts 101, here's just some of the basics, and this is where I'm going to step outside of Corinthians just, just for a moment to get our minds wrapped around it. There are multiple places where the gifts are listed in Scripture. Okay? Three are the major ones, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4. And if you want to jot those down, you can go back and look up those. It's easy to remember, 12, 12, 4. And so you can go find those lists. What you need to know is that no two lists are identical. Now, some have overlap. I'm not saying there's not overlap in them, but none of them is not the same list each and every time. So Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, and Ephesians 4. But when you summarize all those lists, you come up with 18 different gifts. Here they are. Administration, discernment, encouragement, exhortation, evangelism, faith, giving, interpretation of tongues, serving, healing, knowledge, leadership, mercy, miracles, prophecy, teaching, 
the actual speaking of tongues and wisdom. And that's a summary of the list. So I want to give you a perspective. I think it's a biblical one. It's one that I hold to, but there's lots of disagreement out there. So I want to be fair. You may have a different interpretation, and we can talk about that. We can dialogue about that. That's great. But I want to at least lay you out my framework for how I'm going to be approaching 12, 13, and 14 when it comes to spiritual gifts. And so this is, again, this is some foundational stuff underlying. So as you look at all, all of these gifts, some of them, some of them uh, are clearly miraculous, okay? Meaning that there's no other way to explain them except by the involvement of the Holy Spirit. Uh, the, the gift of healing, the gift of, of prophecy, the gift of miracles, the gift of speaking in tongues, interpretation of tongues. It's the minority, though, minority of the gifts that we would call that. The others, the others seem to be natural abilities. So what I want to do is I want to share my definition of spiritual gifts is going to be this. Typically, a spiritual gift is a natural ability that God enhances to serve the church. Now, understand my word. Typically. I'm not going to make an argument this every single time because we do have on this list, we have these other, um, what we call the miraculous gifts. But it seems to be that the majority of the time, as all these different lists, lists are there, the majority of the time, it's a natural ability that God takes and he increases, the power of the Spirit's at work, he increases and magnifies the impact, the effect, the benefit, the blessing of that gift in the life of the church. Now, see, I I can testify to this one myself in many ways because I've had these sermons where I've gotten it before and when I get to the end of the sermon, I'm like, in my mind, well, that was a stinker. That didn't go anywhere. And all I'm trying to do is, okay, one, how much longer do I actually get to be the preacher here if, you know, with a sermon like that? And how quickly can I kind of make it out without having to run into anybody? And I'm in the dumps. And inevitably, one of you will come up to me. You'll go, Whew, I guess you were preaching at me. So then I say the most godly thing I can, yes, I was. I hope you were listening. <laughs> it's, it's, not, it's not what I say. It's an acknowledgement that the power of God is at work. Because I'm telling you, it was a stinker of a sermon. But God can do more to increase the impact of what's going on. I, I love working on the staff, on our staff team. Um, so I want to brag about it real quick. Diane Benigoni has the gift of hospitality, and many of you know that. And it doesn't take any, anybody special to spot that in her. But she has used that gift, and God has increased the impact of that gift to where she leads up our starting point that you'll hear us talk about. And this is our opportunity. If you want to learn more about becoming part of this church, you sign up for starting point. And we serve you a meal, and Diane hosts that meal. And that ministry has just grown and grown. Last week, last Monday, we had our last starting point, and we had over 21 people present. They were coming 
to learn more about what God's doing here. That's an incredible gift, and you see how it's a natural ability, but it's being extended beyond. So, I would also say this about the gifts. This list that we just saw, the gifts listed in the New Testament are not exhaustive. It's not an exhaustive list. If it were an exhaustive list, what we would have to say then is the gifts that he tells to the church in Corinth, he'd also have to tell to the church in Rome. Because the way it is right now, it's like, hey, Corinth, I'm going to tell you about these gifts. I hope you find the other list. You know, Google it. And so it can't be an exhaustive list. And so that means that there's other gifts that are powered by the Holy Spirit, other natural abilities that I believe God can come in and power by the Holy Spirit to increase the impact of the gospel message on the church, on the body of Christ. They're not in this list. And so with that, I think two things are possible. First of all, perhaps God gives gifts today that he did not give in the first century. I believe it's possible, perhaps. Again, you may see this differently than me. That's okay. But I'm going to tell you that I believe that God can give gifts today and does give gifts today that were not available in the first century. One of them is the gift of technology. Again, one more time to brag. Marsha Haney and her team that run our audiovisual stuff, they have this gift of technology. They don't let me turn on the computer, I promise. Okay? But through that gift, we've got this very robust online presence now. And I keep meeting people, and I met a very sweet lady this morning named Nancy. She has been watching this from Arizona for a year and a half. I receive emails from a man named Earl in Nashville and blessings of that and around the world because they're using their gift. And that is having an impact beyond anything that I can possibly imagine. And again, I talk to so many of you that will say something to the effect of, yes, we've been watching online for, and you'll fill in an amount of time, sometimes a few weeks, sometimes a few months, sometimes a year. But now we wanna come and we wanna be a part. God's using that gift in powerful ways. And so the flip side of it is this. Perhaps God gave gifts in the first century that he does not give today. I think that's an open possibility. That what God is going to do is he's going to gift the church in the moment that the church exists. And now I'm not boxing God in any way. God can do what God wants to do and he does not need my permission. But as I just watch and try to learn how I think he is working, how it appears he's working, what I believe Paul is teaching us in this passage is that there are some gifts that perhaps were the first century that aren't, that aren't not available to us today. Again, we can disagree on this. But I believe that there's some that God has given that didn't exist and he's allowed some that diminished that no longer serve the same purpose as they did in a completely different context than our own. So the last thing is I want to tell you this, and this is what Paul's trying to get them to understand is we do not have all the same gifts. We do not have all the same gifts. And the problem with the current church, and just to kind of tie into what we just talked about, is that they saw their gifts, the miraculous ones. In fact, the list that we showed of the 18 earlier, the entire list of miraculous gifts shows up in the passage that we just read from Corinthians. That's where the whole 
miraculous um, list, itemized list comes from. Why do I think that is? Because that's the ones that the Corinthian church were struggling with. That's the ones that they were feeling superior to one another because of how miraculous your gift was versus my gift. And so now they were letting their egos get in the way and Paul has got to do a corrective measure. And so that's why he gives it those and that's why they're there because I believe there was a struggle and this is what was being abused. Okay, let me run through one verse that I think teaches us a lot. I'm gonna go back to verse seven. So if you highlight, if you underline, I want you to be in verse seven. Here's what verse seven says. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. To each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Now here's the takeaways that I want you to walk with this. It starts with to each, to each. It does not say to some. It does not say to a few. To those that are really nice. To those that show up at church every single Sunday. To those that come with an unblemished record. To each. So here's truth number one. Every follower of Jesus has a gift. Every follower of Jesus has a gift. Even you. Okay? If you have given your life to Jesus, been baptized into his name, the Spirit is at work in your life, and you have been given at least one gift. Goes on to say, to each has been given a gift to manifest, to show manifestation in the world. So when you use your gift, God shows himself to the world. That's what manifestation means, that you are you're revealing, you're displaying something, you're manifesting. Some, some of you, if you think about a marriage, how do you manifest your love for your spouse? If you're a parent with a child, how do you manifest your love for your child? Or how does a child manifest their love? How do they display it? How do they demonstrate it? So think about the power of this. Think about this. When you use your gift in the context of the church, whatever that gift is, God is being revealed to the world in that moment. You don't seem excited about that as I am. Say it again. When you use your gift, even if you don't think it's that special, but you're allowing the spirit to work at you, God is revealing himself to the world. You are the billboard that God's gonna use. You're the platform from which he's gonna shout his grace. You're, you're the medium through which the message is going to be delivered. This is why it's so important to Paul this is why it's so critical to him. And all of this is for this. Spiritual gifts are given for the building up of the body of Christ, the church. This is why you've been given spiritual gifts. Now remember, you may have a natural ability. 
you may be very successful financially and you just, whatever you touch, whatever investment it is, it goes through the roof. You can spot the trends. That's incredible. That in of itself is not your spiritual gift. But when you bring that into the blessing of the body, that's when God kicks in that spiritual gift and enhances the impact for the body. If you're successful out in business, that's great. But that's not what Paul calls a spiritual gift. But when you use your gift, that you can also be used outside, but when you use it with the body, with the church, that's when the spirit steps in and increases the impact. That's when you have the spiritual gift because this is all about the church becoming the church that God wants it to be. So in a very real way, not only do you have a gift, have you, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been given a gift. But at the same time, as you come to be a part of this local body, Western Hills, you are a gift to the body. Because for some reason, God is bringing you and your gifts to here that we need. So here's my challenge. And, and here's the, the corrective. If you're not using your gift, you're denying Western Hills from being the church that God has called it to be. If you are not intentionally using your gift, you're denying Western Hills, this local body of Christ, from being the church that God's called it to be. I, one of the guys that I read, he put it this way, and I thought it was pretty blunt. He said, you're handicapping the body if you're not using your gift. Because whatever you're bringing, we need a part of and we need to see that manifestation of God here. Now, I've got a real practical application for you today. Many of you may not know what your gifts are. This may be very new information to you. And I understand that you may be in the church for a long time. We have a way that we're going to help. Randy Lavelle and Jim Fly, two of our members here, have created a workshop, a spiritual gift workshop. It's going to meet second hour on April 10th. Taking a Sunday off for Easter. See, already talked about that. And then April 24th and May 1st. This is a workshop designed for you to identify and then they're going to help you implement your spiritual gifts. I'm going to put a QR code up there. So if you've got your phones, get your phones out. We're going to send out an email about this tomorrow as well. But if you've got your phones, go to this QR code right now. You can register for this class. I'm going to encourage you to register because we may have to cap the limit around 20 or so. So I want you in on this class. Sign up for it. If we go over the limit, we'll figure something out. Don't worry about that, but help, let us help you identify and then implement your spiritual gift, especially as it relates to our coming vision and where God's calling us as a church. Because when you put your gifts to work, the Spirit steps in and does the miraculous, and God displays himself to the world. This is why Paul's saying it's not a healthy body. You're just limbs hanging on the wall unless you're all come together in love using your gift. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this teaching today. I pray for each one of us that we would use our gifts for the benefit and the blessing and the building up of your church, the body. 
So Father, to the person right now that's followed you and doesn't know what their gift is, would you begin a work to identify it? To the person that knows what their gift is, but perhaps they've been just sitting on the bench and not exercising that gift, would you begin a work in them and let them step into the game and off the sideline? Father, would you build this body of Christ here that we call Western Hills into the image of Jesus? And would you show yourself to the world through us? Not because we're special, not because we're great, but because you are a powerful God and you can use each one of us in your way. Father, whether they're young, whether they're old, whether they're married, whether they're single, whether they're aunts or uncles, whatever role that each finds himself for all the followers of Jesus here, would you please use our gifts? It's in your holy name we pray. Amen.